Welcome everyone to Living Oracles Tabernacle, an apostolic and prophetic New Testament church. Somebody say Genesis. Um, the key idea in Genesis is beginnings. Mudimu at home. And then we have Exodus. The key idea in Exodus is redemption. Because people are coming out of slavery, out of Egypt. And then we jump to Leviticus in the Hebrew Waigra. The key idea is worship. Then we jump to Numbers. In the book of Numbers, they are wandering the wilderness. Get the book of wilderness wanderings. We jump to Deuteronomy. Uh, the key idea is covenant, is teaching, renewed covenant. In the book of Deuteronomy, the law is repeated because the new generation has arisen. In numbers, an old generation dies. Forty years, generation is dying. In Deuteronomy, a new generation is here. Now the law must be taught again. So it is to teach again. Deuteronomy. Uh, that is the key idea. And when you look at the nation of Israel, we see that in Genesis, we have the choosing of a nation. In Exodus, we have the deliverance of a nation. In Leviticus, a nation is set apart. God is setting apart a nation. And in Numbers, a nation is directed. Get the direction of a nation. And then finally, we jump to Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, a nation is made ready. That's why the covenant is renewed. Because a nation is made ready. So we see that there is the key idea. Beginnings, redemption, worship, wanderings, renewed covenant. Those are the key ideas. And then we look at the particular nation. And I know when I say nation, it's a hot topic the past two weeks. I won't even touch that. Uh, and when you look at the nation, in Genesis, the nation is chosen through Abraham. In Exodus, the nation is delivered through Moses. In Leviticus, the nation is set apart through Aaron and the priesthood. In uh, Numbers, the nation is directed by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And then in Deuteronomy, the nation is made ready by Joshua. In a, then we look at the people. You understand? In, in Genesis, the people are prepared. Get the preparation of the people. And then we go to Exodus. The people are redeemed. We go to Leviticus, the book of worship. The people are taught. So we see that teaching is an invitation to worship. You understand? The worship leader is the teacher because it is teaching that invites us to worship. You understand? We are not led by worship in a song. We are led by worship in instruction. We unfold the nature of God. And the revelation of God is an invitation to worship. That's why the Levites were the priests, not the musicians. You understand? The musicians were not Levites. But some of the Levites were musicians. 
You understand? So the qualification was not music. Their qualification was priesthood. And then those who were priests, who were teaching, then started to use song. So we see that in the book where people are taught is the book where people are set apart. And in the book where people are set apart, that's where we learn worship. So it's a set-apart lifestyle. Worship is what happens during the week. Then in Numbers, the people are tested. In Deuteronomy, the people are retaught. There's a reason I'm saying this. Then we look at God. And we're going to look God in three dimensions. We're going to look at the person of God. We're going to look at the role of God. And then I'm going to look at the command of God. And when I'm talking about Godhead, uh, we're talking about the Trinity. Now, let's let the cat come out of the bag. The word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. We are aware. You know, before someone gives you a headache, we are very much aware that the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible but the concept does. Symbol. We are aware. We are not emotional about that. We are not going to fight over the word. Give us a better one. Many a times people enter into debates with people who have no positions. Sometimes when someone is questioning you, before you defend your position, oh wait, tell me your position first. Because what ends up happening, you are being grilled. But you don't know what you are standing for. It is clear what I believe. What is it you believe? And then I can respond in kind. Uh, but I am not there. Can you into a little bit of apologetics? So we're going to look at the Godhead. And by Godhead, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So today, I have prepared about 90 verses. About 90 verses. 9-0. And it's important that we look at the testimony of Scripture in this regard. We might even look at one only, who knows? Uh, but it's important that the testimony of the scriptures begins to speak and that our understanding of this vital concept is based on what the word says. It's so important. So, we are going to Look at these verses. And the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to highlight about nine attributes. Attributes or characteristics. Things which make God, God. Attributes which belong only to God. And then we're going to contrast that with each and every person of the Godhead. So that our understanding of the Godhead flows from the concept of the person of God. You know how few believers actually even know who God is? 
how few believers even understand the concept of God. But the believers. That's the problem we have. You know, people don't, they don't know the God you worship. Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, you worship, but you know not what you worship. So we have what you call ignorant worshipers. People who worship, but they don't know what they worship. They don't know who it is they worship. That's why the pastor in every local church, the teacher in every local church is the one who leads in worship because worship flows from revelation. We cannot worship a God whom we do not know. You understand? But once we understand that he is holy, you understand? And from that understanding of holiness, then we worship, we ascribe righteousness unto him. So when we worship God, we don't worship God out of a perspective of, of our experience with him, out of a perspective of what he has done. There's room for that. No, okay, thanksgiving. You know, there's room for that. It is praise and, and stuff like that. But there is a place beyond his relationship. There is a place beyond his performance. Beyond his performance in your life beyond your testimony. There is a place beyond what he has done and what he has not done. There is a place beyond his actions, a place called his essence, a place called his being. So there is a place beyond the hand of God, the heart of God. And then we press on into that most holy place whereby we worship him not because of what he is about to do or what he has done or what he is doing. Not to confuse the kingdom of darkness. Sorry. Let us now confuse the enemy. Let us now make a noise that will shake hell. There is a place beyond any of that where none of those things matter. There is a place where it's all about God. The Bible says, who only has immortality, who dwells in light unapproachable. So when you look at God in the mode of his existence, now, though God is light, now, but there is a place, there is a dimension where it is called unapproachable light. Romans 1, uh, let's try 18 and 19. Let's try 18 and 19. Yeah, let her use the MC mic. I hope it won't, it won't feed. And I hope they're not sorry by the early. And we're going to change the version. And maybe the pressure is about two sanyana or something. You know, Hanchuku Kreking, there's an interpreter. And then there is an interrupter. Many times we don't have interpreters. We have interrupters. Yeah? Yeah? But I know there are no interrupters here. Romans 119. So I'm going to need you to be just a little bit patient with me. Um, give me... 50 minutes. Give me 50 minutes, meaning by um, 20 past 1. Not 20 past, maybe 10 past. Just give me 50 minutes. And I think Kevin is an introduction. 
Because there's something you need to know. I want your understanding. Né? And uh, I want to balance some things I said a few weeks back. Né? You know to make examples in itself is not error. Né? And I just need to balance this because I know sometimes you need to give context to statements. Because I a statement is so, ne? Ne, ne? I over-apply even when not necessary. My point was not that examples are wrong. My point was that let the scriptures be the source and the substance. And then when we use the examples, let us remain within the boundaries. Especially with the Godhead. I came to a point where I even challenged popular examples, showing you the limitations. They are not, in essence, heresy, but it is the idea behind. Because there are many ideas which are propagated, and I can even tell you the propagators, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Islam. They are perpetrating particular ideas concerning our understanding of the Godhead. So it's important that we clarify this né, without basing our understanding on illustrations. You understand? So illustrations are used to illustrate. You understand? But they're not the source of it all. I hope I'm making sense. Because the Bible itself does give us illustrations of the Godhead. And it's better to use the ones the Bible gives. Those ones are safe. And as you use illustrations, remain within certain boundaries. There are boundaries you have to remain in. There was a teaching called Gnosticism. From a, a, there is a Gnostic buzzword called Kefale. And this Gnostic buzzword, Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, Gnostic, from where we get Gnosticism. And the Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, comes from the word Gnosis, which is knowledge. And from Gnosis, we have epignosis, which speaks of perfect knowledge. So when you speak of Gnosticism, it is a sect in the church whereby you are who you are because of access to certain knowledge. And this is how cults are formed. But there is something we know that the rest of you do not know. And because we know this thing, we are in relationship with God. And if you do not know the secret that only we know, then you are not a child of God. You are not part of the elect. You are not... So, Gnosticism, and you guys better be careful, Babaratan doctrine and whatnot, that you don't become Gnostics. So, okay, if you do not 
explain and understand this concept the way that I explain it, you are not going to make it in the kingdom of God. So we need to be careful. We need to be very careful. And this is more about attitude. You know, it is more about attitude. So there was a Gnostic buzzword, kefale, source. And then this is why even the gospel of Thomas ne, is not even in the Bible. And then Uguka Bari Ugu TikTok, Kibunimaban. I might even make a response. Uh, uh, you see, the book of Thomas was removed from the Bible. Before um engage, when was it in the Bible? Removed. Okay, it removed like a man. So when was it in the Bible? Hori, it removed. Because the word Bible is Biblos. It means a library. And then it was found by the Council of Carthage. Not even anywhere in Europe, in Africa. That's when the first, uh, the first canon was made. And the word canon, it simply means measuring read. You understand? Uh, but I am not there. So in Gnosticism, there was a teaching that... Uh, and with Gnosticism, the essence is that what is spirit is good. What is flesh is bad. What is flesh is evil. What is spirit is good. So therefore, when you are in flesh, you are bad. But once you are in the spirit, you are good. It sounds nice until you really look at it. And so now Gnostics had to come to a point whereby when they are speaking of Jesus, they had to say he was not really man because flesh is bad and spirit is good. So Jesus was some sort of spirit working among us. And so now this was a, a prevalent teaching even in the days when the apostles were there. That's why John had to come and write. And had John Angwala, and when he was writing, that which we have seen, that which we have handled, that which we have seen, we have handled. John is not saying as if to say I am better than everyone. Or we have handled him because he was flesh. Or that which we have seen, that which, which was from the beginning, that which is of the word of life. So that's why John, the way he is speaking, that's why John, right now in the world, there is the spirit of truth and there is the spirit of error. And now you need to know that there is the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist is any spirit that denies that Jesus is come in the flesh. So what does that mean? It's simply any teaching that denies the humanity of Jesus. Any teaching that denies that Jesus was God in the flesh is Antichrist. It is Antichristos. And so John is not coming to give us certain balance regarding that. So we need a proper and healthy concept of the Godhead if we are really going to know God, if we are really going to worship the God of the Bible. And we need to get to a place whereby when we break down such concepts, they inspire such awe, they inspire such fear, they inspire fire terror in us that we break out in appreciation we break out in worship when the attributes of God are broken down for us because with knowledge we ascribe righteousness to him we are talking about the God not whom we have simply experienced because we are talking about God who is beyond our experiences so we are moving beyond experience 
experiential knowledge to revelational knowledge. We are worshiping God whom we have. Like John handled. You will hear me better. Why? 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 Why turn this on deep? I'll tell you why. Nagro worship. Oh, Holy Spirit. You are so beautiful. Oh, Father. I bow before you. Oh, Son of God. So, who must be the center of worship? Who must be the center? Holy Spirit. the Son. the Father. So it gets to a point by it even becomes confusing for others. Father, Holy Spirit. So is that discord among us? Is there confusion among us? No, there is not. Because in the Godhead there's no competition. You understand? In the Godhead there's no competition. The Father has got no problem with ascribing worship to the Son. The Son has got no problem with ascribing worship to the Spirit. The Spirit has got no problem whatsoever with anyone speaking to the Father. You understand? Because this concept is so imperative. And I'm going to show you a few things if I answer my page. If undelap. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. Notice, ne? Next verse, next verse. For the invisible of things of Him from the foundation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead. So there is that word, Godhead. Notice in this portion, Paul is using both God and Godhead in the same reference. So, verse 19 again, for that which may be known of God. I want you to understand something. There are things which may be known of God. There are things which will never be known of God. So the Bible is clearly that which may be known of God. So I want you to know that we can only know God to a certain extent. We can only know God to a certain limit. So God has even placed limits and boundaries to how we will ever comprehend him, to how we will ever know him. This is me trying to make sense of this verse as I speak about it, or one. In fact, words are not even doing justice to this concept. Therefore, that which may be known, it is more like that which is possible to be known. So now this verse is simply trying to say that we can never get to a place whereby he is fully known. But the Bible has given us enough to know him. Has given us what is sufficient to know him. You see, God has left enough evidence for us to believe him. The Bible is sufficient for the believer. And the Bible is sufficient for the critic. There's enough in the Bible for the critic to doubt. But there's also enough for the believer to believe. 
So God just gave us enough. And then I would believe. Because you must believe. Enough. Eh? Like just a tiny hint of evidence. He could have done more if he wanted. He could have. But he gave us enough so that we can believe. So that our, our belief is based on something. So there is just enough for us to believe. There is just enough for us to hold on to something. There is enough. If, if, if you are searching for God, the Bible is more than enough. But now, don't think just because you have read the Bible, you don't need to believe. It is enough to bring you to a place of believing. So Paul married that which may be known of God is manifest in them. So there are things which may not be known of God. There are dimensions about him which may not be known. So even as you are speaking about the Godhead, I need you to understand that as we are going to explain this thing, we need to maintain this concept in a mystery. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh -uh. 1 Timothy 3.16 so I want you guys to notice ne, that the Father is God. Can everyone see here? Okay, I hope everyone can see. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Ghost is God. There are not three gods, but one God revealing himself in three personalities. In the person of the Son, in the person of the Holy Ghost, and in the person of the Father. So, concerning the Godhead, there is distinction. By distinction, it means we can tell apart Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There is distinction. We can, they are distinct one from another. We don't conflate we are able to distinct, we are able to tell them apart, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. However, they are distinguishable but indivisible. Indivisible means it is not three gods, it is one God in the person of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. In terms of persons, distinguishable. In terms of essence, indivisible. Are you with me? In his essence, he is indivisible. We can't divide him into three. So the Father is not a third of God. The Son is not a third of God. The Holy Spirit is not a third of God. The Holy Spirit is God in totality. The Father is God in totality. The, the, the Son is God. He's not a part of God. The Son is God. But the Son is not the Spirit. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. Distinction. The Holy Ghost is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. They are not the same person. In terms of his being, one God. In terms of his expressions, three persons in the Godhead. So, this is a mind-boggling revelation. It is something mankind never fully, fully understood. It took Jesus, the Son, to come so that 
man can truly appreciate God in his essence. Because it will only take a person in the Godhead to come and explain the Godhead. It will only take the Godhead to explain the Godhead. And then Jesus made some claims. He made some difficult claims. And believe me, the Bible is And I believe you make Bible is And even the things I'm going to say today, even the things that I am saying, I'm saying things I am certain about. And as certain as I am about these things, I am in wonder and in awe. I'm in a place whereby I understand it. And the more I understand it, the more I don't understand it. And the more I don't understand it, the more I get it. First Timothy 3.16 For without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. So we need to understand that this thing is a mystery. So as we talk about it, we must maintain mystery. Maintain mystery. Because the whole Lama water very soon Maintain mystery in it. Because it is mystery. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh. There are still people who are disagreeing about the deity of the Son. People, that, we still have that. Remember, God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. The fact that God must be justified, that's a mystery. For God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Eh? So here is a mystery, seen of angels, angels. So God, what a mystery. So now, angels who never could see God because he dwells in unapproachable light. There is a dimension of God angels cannot experience or see. Even angels themselves. Timothy 1.18, immortal, invisible, so, God is invisible. Invisible. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Sin of angels. So, I want us to uphold the mystery. That's why Paul said, that which may be known of God was manifest in them. Now, for the invisible things, Romans 1, 19, 20. Romans 1. For the invisible things of him from the foundation of the world are now clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So now is Paul trying to tell us, if you look at the things that are made, you can now start to understand the things which are not seen, even his eternal power and Godhead. Is Paul trying to tell us that if you are looking at creation, the creation of God can explain the mystery of the Godhead. Is that what Paul is trying to tell us? We can go to that conclusion, but if you look at it particularly, Paul heard the invisible things of him are now clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. He is speaking 
speaking more about the perfections of God. He is speaking more about the attributes of God. He is speaking more about the characteristics of God. He is speaking more about the graces of God. He is speaking more about the beauties of God. He is speaking more about his perfection. So the invisible things of him from the foundation of the world are now clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So the things that are made themselves cannot fully express the idea of Godhead. They cannot fully express the idea of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Existing concurrently in three different personalities, distinguishable yet indivisible. Okay, Act 17. Kinya kamo 29 mo lene, maramibu kan tamago 25. Act 17. So kinyaka, 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 people who are quick, kinyaka, people who are prayerful, who are quick, who interceded, got intercession. Neither is worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men. Aha! And he has made of one blood all nations of men. For to dwell upon the whole earth. And continue, continue. To dwell on all the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed. And the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord. If happily they might fall after him. And find him. Though he be not far from everyone of wow. us. So God has determined even the boundaries of our habitation. Now, he has determined those boundaries. And then, so that man can seek after him. If happily, we feel after him. Though, he is not far from every one of us. Now, he, he, he. Now, for what? For in him we live. We move. Yeah, continue. And move and have our being. Uh-huh. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we, we, we are, are his offspring. Next verse 29. Always the date. For as much then as we are the offspring of God. Ooh, ooh, For as much then as we are the offspring of God. We ought what? Offspring of God. We ought what? We ought not to think that the Godhead. Ah, wait. Here is that word again. Godhead. We ought not to think that the Godhead uh-huh. is like unto gold or silver, or stone, graven by art and man's device. We ought not to think that the Godhead is like gold, silver, or stone, graven with art by man's art or device. So we ought not to think that the Godhead is like any idol. We ought not to think that there is anything that man can ever construct which will picture the Godhead. So that's why Romans for what may be known of God is clearly manifest being understood by the things that are made. Not the things that we make, but the things that he has made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So now those things which may be known of God are his perfections. Those things which may be known of God are his eternal attributes. Those things which may be known 
throne of God. So there are things, there are dimensions, there are places in God which can be known. But now the God has reserved limitations that there are dimensions in him that cannot be known. That man has no capacity to enjoy him in that dimension. That man has no capacity to know him in that level. God puts it like this to Moses. And no man can see my face and live, but it shall so happen that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will pass. And as I pass, you shall see my backward path. So God is saying to Moses, there is something that can be known of me. There is a place in me that you can see. As we expound on the concept of the Godhead, I want it to be clear that there are things which may be known of God and there are things which may not be known of God. We worship God in a mystery. I don't have him all figured out. I do not have all the answers. I don't. You understand? Well, I've got no answers whatsoever to some of life's most boggling questions. I've got no idea why the things which have been happening have been happening. I've got absolutely no idea. I don't know. We need to understand God's sovereignty. We need to understand that, you know what, God does not owe us any answer. God does not owe us any explanation. God is simply trying to say that I am God and I perform my counsel and none can disannul. And I am the Lord and I changeth not. So we need to understand that the counsel of the Lord will stand. The Bible says many other devices in man's heart, but nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord which will stand. So God says, can have many devices. God says you can have many ideas, but at the end of the day, it is my counsel that will stand. And he owes no one an answer. And he owes no one an explanation. For he is God. So there are things which may be known of God. There are things which may not be known of God. Verse 30, Acts 17. And the times of this ignorant God winked at. But now commandeth men everywhere to repent. So now God has winked at this ignorance. So I want you to understand that God also winks. And the Bible says this ignorance God has winked at it. But now commands men everywhere to. So God is not like unto graven images. And so we cannot fashion him like that. So now concerning the Godhead, there are elements which we do not know. There are elements which we have been ignorant of. But now this ignorance God has winked at but now commands men everywhere to repent. So we have been ignorant of who he is but not anymore and he's commanding men everywhere to repent and how shall they repent if there is no preacher? How shall they repent if there is no teacher? How shall they repent if there is no believer who is in awe of the attributes of God? Because he is inexplicable in the mode of his existence. God has winked at this ignorance. 
but now commandeth men everywhere. So the Godhead is not likened unto gold, silver, or stone, or graven art of man's device. It's not likened unto any one of those things. So God in the past has winked this ignorance, but now he commands men everywhere to repent. Colossians 2.9 For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So here is that word again. So in him the Godhead dwells in him bodily. So now you need to understand that in the person of Christ dwells in fullness the entire Godhead. It was not of God, there was no deposit of God. God God in all of his essence, in him dwells the fullness of God, the Godhead body. There is no part of God which was not in him. There was no part of God which was not in him. I need to show you. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not the Father. But the Father is God. He's not part of God. He is God in His fullness. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. One God. This is what the Jewish people call the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel. The word hear, get the word Shema. For me, we get Shama, a prophet. Hear, O Israel, the Shema, the hearing. This is something Israel must hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. So we only worship one God. So I want us to know that we need to maintain monotheism. As we are speaking about the Godhead, the Trinity, we are maintaining monotheism. We do not have three gods. It is one God who has revealed himself in three persons. And no one was able to explain this mystery to us. It took God himself to give us this revelation. It took God himself to give us this mystery. So in God's creation, there are similitudes and there are types of this Godhead. And as we look at similitude and type, you know, types and shadows are wonderful tools when you understand the doctrine. Because you don't take the type too far. You don't take the shadow too far. People are looking at the shadow in darkness and they are lost in the darkness of the old. But as we are tracing the shadow, we trace the shadow with light until we come to the substance. So the shadow must bring us to the substance. We, don't, we must not get stuck in the shadow. We need to come to the substance. I'm praying to God. Okay, this is Greek right now. I'm praying to God, or you know what? Because there is so much 
I need to explain going into the classical languages. But I'm not here for a theological discourse. I'm here to inform people's faith. You understand? I'm here to inform people's faith. So I, I, I'm wrestling. You know, I, I'm wrestling within me. You know, I, I'm wrestling within me. Uh, so where can we go? So we see the Godhead, Romans 1.20. Ashila, Godhead. Ne. Colossians 2.9, Ashila, Godhead. Acts 17.29, Ashila, Godhead. That is the word the Bible uses. The Bible does not use Trinity. The Bible uses Godhead. However, it's okay to say Trinity. Nothing wrong with it. It's not error to say Trinity. It is not error to say Trinity. So we see that we see the first three in Genesis 1. And when you look at the first three in Genesis 1, now we're talking about the language of redemption. You know, and wait see, as I'm about to do this, we're going to offer a quick 45-minute lesson on types, shadows, symbols. Because a symbol is not a type. A type is not a shadow. We have types. We have shadows. We have symbols. And then we have riddles. We have parables. We have proverbs. We have allegories. And then we have dark speeches. Those are also not the same thing. I'm going to offer a discourse in that before I say what I'm about to say. Because I know some prelude champion is going to take this. Kaid. We have the first three, Genesis 1. And the Bible says God made the firmament. And in the firmament, he placed three great lights. And as he placed these three great lights, we've got the sun the greatest source of light in the sky, ruling the day. And then you've got the moon, another source of light, ruling in the night, giving us light. And then you've got the stars in heaven. And then when you look at that, it is a, not a type, but a symbol. So now we need to also maintain the limitations of symbolism. And then you will understand the limitations of this symbolism as I'm going to expound on a number of things. So, when you look at the sun, when you look at the sun, you understand it's a picture of the Father. That radiant light, that brilliant light, that light which is the greatest source of light, that light which is the chief architect of everything else we see. There is a person called G.K. Chesterton, one of the greatest biblical thinkers of the 20th century. G.K. Chesterton says, my God is like the sun. You cannot bear to look at him, yet without him you can see nothing else. You know, these are thinkers, you know. G.K. Chesterton. We don't take people's thoughts as our own. They labored. And then you've got the moon. When you look at the moon, a picture of the sun. 
Revelation le jewel every and then the moon shall become like blood. So when you look at the moon, it's a picture of the sun. became like blood. That blood stained one. I shall show you a sign in the stars. I shall show you a sign in the heavens. And the moon shall become like blood. So in that we are seeing a symbol of the sun as well. But also we see the stars. And the stars are everywhere. And the stars are many. They are multitudinous. It's a picture of the Holy Ghost who is in each and every one of us. So when you are looking at that, you are seeing a symbol. And what I love about this symbol is that at the same time, in the night sky, if you fly out into space, you will see at the same time the sun, the moon, and the stars. So we are not conflating the person. So sometimes it is the star, sometimes it is the moon, sometimes it is the sun. And that is modalism that God takes on various modes. Like the example, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a husband. That I, I have three roles. The limitation of that is that it is looking at the one person, three roles. Whereas the Godhead, those are not roles, those are persons. So we are taking one person and then giving him three roles and then using the one person three roles to come and explain a mystery of one being three persons. We cannot reduce the person to a role. Role and person are not in the same equation. Those are the shortcomings of those explanations. We have the ark of Noah. God commanded Noah to build the ark. And when God commanded Noah to build the ark, God is specific. The ark shall have three stories. So we see one ark, three stories. We see the foundation of the ark. It's a picture of the father, the architect of it all, the foundation. And then we see the first story. The first story, the Bible says, it's got a door. When you look at the door, it's a picture of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door to the sheepfold. So when you're looking at the first story, we're looking at the door. And the first story is the central part. When you're looking at Jesus, he is the central person of the Godhead. And then we see the, the, the third story, which has got a window. And the window allows light in. The window allows wind in. When you look at the window, when you look at the, the, the third story, it's a picture of the Holy Ghost. So we are seeing, looking at the Ark of Noah. It's a picture of the of, 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 of the Godhead. And then we can continue with these symbols and types, you understand? Because we've got one, we have got one messy seat and the, and the messy seat it was made from one piece of gold. Exodus, the messy seat is made from one piece of gold. And then from this one piece of gold, there are three distinct components to it. We've got the lid, the literal lid, the lid, which is the messy seat, and then oh, overshadowing it, there are two cherubim of glory, and the cherubim of glory are overshadowing the messy seat. When you look at each and every one of these cherubim, it's a picture of the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the messy seat itself is the Son, but now it is made from one piece of gold. Aholiab did not take gold and put it together, but from one piece of gold, there are three distinguishable objects in one piece of gold. It is the mercy seat. So you cannot 
separate one from another, but we can see distinguishes between them. So when I'm looking at the mercy seat once a year on the day of atonement, the high priest would come and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. So it's a picture of how the Father and the Spirit, when they're looking at the Son, all they are seeing is a blood-stained mercy seat. And then in the ark, which was covered by the mercy seat, there are three objects. When I'm looking at these three objects, we are looking at the tables of the law. When you look at the tables of the law, it's a picture of God the Lord giver. It's a picture of God who spoke 10 times in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, God speaks. God said, God said, God said 10 times. When you look at the law of Moses, there are 10 commandments. So when you look at the law, it's a picture of the Father. And then we go to the to Aaron's rod. And when you look at Aaron's rod, Aaron's rod, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit because Aaron's rod budded and it had flowers. So, so we're looking at the Holy Spirit who's got gifts and fruit. It is budding. When a person has the Holy Spirit in him, he is budding with life. He is budding with graces. He is budding with almonds. And then we have the golden pot of man. It is bread which never gets rotten. It is the Son of God who saw no corruption. The Bible says you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. But the manna is the bread from heaven which was put in a jar. So now we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power cannot be of men but of God. But at the same time, when you are looking at these three articles, we are also seeing a picture. This is the wonder of symbolism. We are also seeing a picture of man's rebellion because when you are looking at the law, we are seeing a picture of man's rebellion against God's word. God says you must not eat, but men eat. So now when I'm looking at the law, it is man's rebellion to God's word. And then we have Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod, we see it in the picture when people were rebelling against the priesthood, God's leadership. When the sons of Korah, they said, you are taking too much upon yourselves, Aaron and Moses. Moses, we can also hear God. We are also children of God. And I want you to know that Korah is a cousin to Moses and Aaron. Hey, Lord, we were praying together. Now you think you are better than us. We are also Levites. We are from the same ancestry. We also hear God. We are also priests. You think you are better? Well, we're all sons of God here. Korah. Sons of Korah. Rebellion. They rebelled against God's leadership. And then got the golden pot of manna. Men rejected the manna God gave. They called it manna. What is this? What is this? Like in disgust, what is this? Just like when Jesus came, the bread from heaven, Messiah, what is this? A defeated Messiah, what is this? It is man's reaction to him. What is this? Even the disciples marveled. What manner of man is this? That even the storms and the winds obey. What manner of man is this? Manna. When you look at the table of shoe bread, 
It is called shoe bread because Jesus, after his resurrection, he shooed himself. John 20, it says he shooed himself. He shooed himself. So Jesus is the shoe bread. Get a bread who shows himself. In fellowship, he shows himself. In intercession, he shows himself. In the closet, he shows himself. On the road to Damascus, he shows himself. On the book of Revelation, among the seven candlesticks, he shows himself. In every believer who's boldly proclaiming, he shows himself. On the road to, to Emmaus, when you are talking about him, he shows himself. So he is the shoe bread. Whenever we speak about him, he shows up. So when I'm looking at shoe bread, the word shoe bread is also called the bread of faces. Because this Jesus has got many faces. When he appeared on the road to Emmaus, he appeared in a different face. Cleopas and his companion are disciples of Jesus. They walked with him. They handled him. But they did not know him. He had a different face. On on the day of resurrection, when Mary appeared before him, she did not know it was him. She thought he was a gardener. He took another face. He is a man of many faces. So when I'm talking about the shoe bread, it's talking about Jesus, a man of many faces. Get the face of an eagle, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of a man. He takes on many faces. That's why in some of Solomon in his face, his cheeks are like a bed of spices. When you look at the cheeks of Jesus, that's what the facial expressions are. In your face, is like a bed full of spices because it takes on many forms. He's got many facial expressions. He's got many emotions. When I'm looking at this Jesus, one day he wept. He's got bread which has many faces. When you look at this Jesus, one day he is angry and upset. When you look at this Jesus, one day he is in agony and in torment. When we look at this Jesus, one day the Bible says he was full of compassion. When we look at this Jesus, another day he is bold. He is the bread of faces. He is the shoe bread. But this shoe bread was bread which had many holes. Was bread which was perforated. So when you are looking at this bread, it is bread with many holes. Which of Jesus, one with many holes, one who has been pierced by his friends. He is the perforated bread. So in the golden part of manna, we are seeing Jesus. I'm getting carried away with types and shadows. We have one tabernacle of Moses, Greek dimensions. Outer court, inner court, holy place. We have one tabernacle of Moses, three key metals that God used. Silver, gold, bronze. We have one tabernacle of Moses, three coverings used. Ram skins, dead red. Badger skins and, and curtains of goat's hair. When you look at badger skin, badger skin 
is ugly. Badger skin is the outward thing. Badger skin, there is nothing in it which can be desired. When you're looking at the badger skin, we're looking at the picture of God the Father, the overall covering, the badger skin. And then the second covering, the Bible says it is ram skin dyed red. So when you're looking at this ram skin, which has been dyed red, we don't have to go very far. This is Jesus, the one who comes from Bosra with garments dipped in red. You understand? I'm now on Isaiah 64. Who is this coming from Bosra whose garments are dipped in scarlet? So Jesus is the one who came from Bosra and garments dipped in scarlet and garments dipped in blood. And then we've got curtains of goat's hair. Song of Solomon chapter 1, I am black and I am lovely. Like the tent of Solomon. Like the curtains in Solomon's temple. The curtains in Solomon's like, palace were just like uh, the curtains tell us of Truben. Pure black absorbing light. So, like the, like the tent of Solomon's palace. So, the goat's hair. When I look at this goat's hair, we are seeing a picture of the Holy Spirit. So we've got one tabernacle, three coverings, badger skin, ram skin dyed red, and then goat's hair, which are black. When look at this goat's hair, we even have a picture of John's mantle. The mantle of Elijah. Isaiah. Chapter 40, verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? To whom will you liken me? What can Budimara explain me? To whom will you liken me? I'll tell you whom you liken him to. A man who is a father, a son, and a husband. That's whom you liken him to. Aramara, to whom will you liken me? Or who shall be my equal? What can you use in creation that can explain me? To whom will you liken me? So there is something about God. I want us to look at John. Now John, 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 it's very difficult what John started. It's very difficult. John 1. Can I go to verse 18? I'm going to go to verse 1. Verse 1. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. I want you to understand if the Son created the universe which is full of worlds, which is full of unlimited space and time, then the sun is greater than all these things. For this very fact, the sun cannot be a mere created being. He cannot be a mere created being. He must be God, even God the sun. And God used the word to create all things. All things. John's gospel is distinct that the word created all things. 
Now, but what John says, hey, wait till John, 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 John. Yeah, And the word was with God. In the beginning was the word. Okay. In the beginning was the word. That is eternity of being. I want you to understand that the word Jesus is eternal in his being. Prepare, ne? He is eternal in his being. There are eight major doctrines which are here. Eight major, like major things. John Agali. You know, I can imagine John writing the book of John. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. You know, sometimes we need to get to a place called expository exaltation. The through the exposition of the word, God is exalted. Now that through the exposition of the word, people come to awe, come to wonder, come to adore God even more. Maranoa, you are here to get your things. That is eternity of being. Remember John 1 again. So, his being is eternal. His being is eternal. By eternal meaning there is no beginning. There never was a time where the sun was not. There never will be a time where the sun will not be. He always was. Eternity of being. You were about the sun. Eternity of being. In the beginning was the word. That is the eternity of his being. In the beginning was the word. Mm-hmm. And the word was with God. Now, this is speaking about plurality of being. Plurality of being. Plural meaning more than one. So there is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when we are looking at the being of God, when we are looking at God's mode of existence, there is plurality in his being. And the word was God. The word was with God. So, and the word was with God. So keep plurality. Plurality of being continue. And the word was God. So now, the word was God. He's not playing with words. This is equality of being. So he is equally God with the Father. The word was God. The word was God. So in the beginning was the word. This is eternity of being. That he is eternal in his own being. There never, there never was a time when he was not. The father did not, was not born and lonely and made the son. The father never existed outside of the son. 
The number one that I know by it is the father without the son. We can add nothing to God. We can take nothing from God. Listen, our worship adds nothing to him. Our worship adds nothing to him. Our ridicule removes nothing from him. I want you to understand how minuscule your worship is. I want you to have a sense of proportion. I know God loves worship for sure. But I want you to understand that your worship adds nothing to him. You withholding your worship have a sense of proportion and have a little bit of humility. I want a humility and a two-cent because your worship adds nothing to him. A sense of proportion. And the word was God. That is equality of being. Uh-huh. The same in the beginning with God. The same was in the beginning with God. The same was in the beginning with God. So now we are learning about pre-existence of being. So the one who is the son who became incarnate has pre-existed. He is the pre-existent one. So he existed before he was made in the flesh. So he was made according to the flesh, the son of David. So as the son of David, he was made in this human body. But he is pre-existent. He exists before he was made. And this is the kenosis story. This is him. He made himself of no reputation. Because when he makes himself of no reputation, the uncreated one must not have a body that is created. So now, he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. You need to understand the kenosis theory of him emptying himself. He made himself of no reputation. The same was in the beginning with God. So this is pre-existence of being. That this one is the pre-existent one. We worship the pre-existent one. Aha, uh-huh. Eri. All things were made by him. Huh? All things were made by him. This is omnipotence of being. That this one is omnipotent. He's got the power to make everything. All things were made by him. So we have this preposition. All things were made by him. Not a proposition. Parts of siege. This preposition. All things were made by him. Mm-hmm. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is omniscience of being. Omniscient meaning all knowing. When we speak of his omniscience, we speak of foretelling. 
we speak of foreknowledge. We speak of of a a a yo yo yo. It's order. It's order. But he is omniscient. He's all knowing. He is all knowing. Ne? Ukwa erring. Ukwa erring. Continue alone, ne? In him was life. In him was life. Uh huh. And the life was the light of men. That lighteth every man that entered into the world. This is omnipresence of being. You know what this verse says? It says, Jesus attended everyone's birth. When you were born, this is the life which lights everyone who is born. So Jesus, he is in every place when every man is born. That's why when the Bible says he knows all men on his soul. But when you were born, when you were conceived, he is the one who breathed that breath in you so that all exist. He is that one. I know that doctors spanked your bum when you were born, but he is that one who breathed. So now, in him was life, and the life was the light that lighted every man that enters the world. So as every man enters the world, he is there. So now, even when he was in the womb, and John is older than him, when John was born, as he is in the womb, he was lighting John as he comes. That's why John, when Mary comes into proximity, the Bible says, and the baby leapt. And the baby laughed, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. John is the only person who was born filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, and he was filled with the Spirit while in his mother's womb. Among those who are born of a woman, there is a reason none greater than John. Why? Because while in the womb, the Holy Gagasto came in while he was in the womb. In him was life. And it is the life that lighteth every man that enters the world. So this is speaking about his omnipresence of being. So at every breath he is there. With every breath a man takes, he is there. Even when the Hebrew midwives were protecting the babies, the Bible says the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied. Just was the one multiplying as the women were in travail. Listen, you're not a single mom. There was someone there in the delivery room with you. Vaughn, there was someone there. Vaughn, who, who lighted every man that entered into the womb. So now before I formed you in the matrix of your mother's womb, I knew you. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh. You know, we've heard this so much, we've lost the wonder. We have heard this so much, we have lost the awe that this one, eternal in being, 
omnipresent in being, pre-existent in being, omnipotent in being, omnipresent in being, omniscient in being, equal in being. This one was made flesh. And that word was made flesh. That is humility of being. So now this one humbled himself and then he became flesh. And tabernacled among us. So he tabernacled among us. Hey, he, he tabernacled among us. Now, Emmanuel. This means in the midst of us. He tabernacled among us. When you look at the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of Moses had tent pegs. And this tent pegs were hammered by Aholiab and, and Bezaliel. And they hammered him into the ground. When you look at the tent of the tabernacle of Moses it speaks of the resurrection of Jesus that the tent peg was holding the tent in the ground so the father on the cross was nailing his son into the ground but as he was nailed into the ground there is still a part of him which is held by ropes and so now he was never fully inside because this one even though he is in the grave but he is the resurrection when we are looking at the tent peg of Moses, we are looking at the resurrected one. He was tabernacled among us. So he put on a tabernacle and he was tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. We we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Yahoo verse 18 Rabila. verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. John John is just starting something because now who did Isaiah see? Uh, who did Isaiah see? The Bible tells us that three men appeared before Abraham and they sat with him and one of them was the Lord God. So who did Abraham see? The Bible says and then one day the angel of the Lord appeared before Manoah and his wife and then the angel of the Lord received worship and he received the sacrifice and when the offering was burning the Bible says and the angel of the Lord did wondrously so now the angel of the Lord performed the dance when Samson was born when the sacrifice went up something happened to the angel of the Lord when the sacrifice went up the angel of the Lord and the smoke became one he did wonderously so now that word is Ola and that Ola it means to ascend get a bent offering but that word Ola get the same word we find with El Olam the most high God so now when the angel of the of the Lord ascended on high he did wonderously but he received worship who did Manoah and his wife see the Bible says in the year that King Hosea died 
I saw also the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his garment filled the entire place. But who, who did Isaiah see? Because John is telling us something. No man has seen God at any time, save the only begotten, and he has declared him. I declare unto you that the Son is Yahweh. I declare unto you that the Son is Adonai. I declare unto you that all they saw was the Son. They did see God, the Son, because the Son is God. So who did they see? The Son. Yes, He is God. going to this because John familiar something Galatians 4 4 you see even the Bible shows recognition and distinction in the Godhead the Bible says and when the fullness of time was come God sent his only son made of the woman made under the law so now we are seeing clear distinction in the Godhead and when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son that word Guhuyos God has sent forth his son when the carrots was full, he sent forth his son, made of a woman, made of the law, but the son is made of none. So the Bible, the Bible recognizes distinction. John 10 36. I hope Barapa John 10 36. Okay, I don't think they, they started paying. 36, John 10, 36. <clears throat> Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. Okay, Siso, can we give this mic some volume? Can read again. Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified. Okay, okay. Say ye of him. This is Jesus speaking about himself in the first, second, and third person. Because there are three persons in the Godhead. Now, I say ye of him. Referring to himself, the first person. Say ye of him. In the second person, whom the father, third person, talking about him, the primary person. Say ye of him, whom the father hath sent, hath sanctified, and sent into the world. Thou blasphemest, because I said I'm the son of God. Jesus is showing us distinction. He whom the Father has sent into the world. So there is distinction in the Godhead. Mudim Nswari in eight minutes to conclude the story. Nswari, Nswari Mudim. I'm paying back for all the Friday services we never had. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> 
All the Friday services we never had. Hallelujah. Zeri di kantetsing for mahala. For mahala. For no reason. For no reason. For no reason. Eight minutes. Look at this, John 14. I'm sure I already quoted that by heart. Now, we're John 14, 16, and 17. And then we're going to do John 15, 26. These are verses I'm sure it's by heart. I'll be, I'll be sad. I'll be very sad. Pray. And I will pray the uh-huh. Father. And he shall wait, give me. Wait, distinction. I, the Son, I, I, I will pray the Father. So the question is, then, if Jesus is God, who is he praying to? The Father. But why does he need to pray? Because he emptied himself and took the form of a man. That's why he needs to pray. He emptied himself and took the form of a man. He humbled himself to a point of needing prayer. So now, this is how he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. That you know what? I have humbled myself. And I even submit to a mother. I submit to a woman. And so now, he humbled himself. So now he is praying. So if he is God, who is he praying to? The Father. That is the kenosis. He emptied himself. Continue. I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. So just so it takes a person in the Godhead to talk to us about the Godhead. And he will send another comforter. So Jesus is a comforter. Another comforter. Because when Jesus came here, he came to comfort the world of sin. He came to comfort us of the sting of sin. Because man has forever been hiding from God. From the garden, when man had God's voice, man hid from the voice. So God is now sending a comforter. That's why the book of Isaiah is a mini Bible. The book of Isaiah has got 66 chapters. The book of Isaiah is a messianic book. The book of Isaiah is a mini Bible. The book of Isaiah was written in two periods. The first half of Isaiah is 39 chapters. And then there is a long break. And then the second part of Isaiah is 27 chapters. When we look at the Bible, there are 66 books. The Old Testament, the first half of the Bible is 39 books. The first half of Isaiah is 39 chapters and then we come to the New Testament the New Testament begins with the ministry of John the Baptist when you look at the second half of Isaiah it begins with Isaiah chapter 40 Isaiah chapter 40 and come for thee come for thee my people for their offer is accomplished and their victory is done there is a voice of one crying in the wilderness. So, the sound part of Isaiah begins with a voice crying in the wilderness. The New Testament begins with a voice crying in the wilderness. And the voice of the comfort, comfort my people. And I will pray the Father. And He will send you another comforter. So, there is a 
Frankfurt. Alas, Parakitos. And alas is different from Hatteros. Because Hatteros is another but of a different kind. But alas is another of the same kind. So now the Holy Ghost is the same essence as the Son. The Holy Ghost is as much God as the Son is. So the Father will send another. So Jesus just said that I am God, the Son, and now he's saying God, the Father, will send another. But another is not another. Another of the same kind. We are the same. I will play the father and shall give you another comfort that he may abide with you forever. Next verse. And I don't deserve it. Still you gave even 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 the spirit of truth who will abide with you forever. I didn't mix any verses, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure I didn't mix. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you, and it shall be in you. Hmm. You know him. You know him. Just over our Lamit. Lamit. This is now the mystery. Our Lamit. You, you know him. He dwells with you. He dwells with you. You know him. He dwells with you. And he shall be in you. This is now the mystery of the Godhead without conflating the persons. Chapter 1526. The Son, the Godhead, acknowledges the distinction. Yo, 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 my God. But when the Comforter is come, notice, the Son recognizes that he was sent by the Father. And that the Holy Spirit was sent by him and the Father. The Son recognizes that. This is what I'm trying to show you in these verses. This is what I'm trying to show you in these verses. Bala. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. Ha-ah. 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 14 verse 16, Gapil. Come on, quick, quick, quick. 14, 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall send. I will pray the Father, and he shall send. And he shall give you. I will pray the Father, and he will send. 1526. Come on, man. 1526. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send. Whom I will send. Whom I will send from the Father whom I will send from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the... He proceeds from 
the Father, but it testifies of me. So now the Spirit proceeds from the Father, not who will proceed, not who has proceeded. He has not proceeded. He will not proceed. He proceeds. You see, you need to be forever filled. He never stops proceeding. That's why we need to remain filled. We need to remain filled with the Holy Ghost. There is the initial deposit when we receive Him. But there is more than this initial deposit. There is called an immersion. There is called a baptism. A baptizo. Whereby we are dipped in Him. But it does not stop there. There is what you call remaining filled. So the Holy Spirit does not just come once. But is proceeds from the Father. So, when you're in fellowship with the Father and the Son, He proceeds. That's why we maintain a posture of asking. When Jesus speaks about asking, He's talking about cars and breakthrough. Asking of none of those things. Just so are hitherto have you asked me nothing? And then he makes an example. He makes an example. In this example, uh, which one of you, if your son asks you for fish, you'll give him a serpent? Or if he asks you for bread, you'll give him a stone? Who, who will do that? Who will do that? Yeah? If he asks for fish, he will give you a serpent. Because fish of a harvest but now this rod became a serpent for our sin so that there can be fish a harvest or if you ask for bread he will give him stone but now this one the stone the builders have rejected becomes the bread that the builders themselves can eat of and have eternal life but Jesus in that era how much how much will the father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask so in the language of God, in the economy of God, you are not asking him anything. Soft, 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 soft. In the economy of God, when you're asking for money, you're asking for nothing. When you're asking for billions, you're asking for nothing. When you're asking for breakthrough, you're asking for nothing. It costs him nothing. There's more he wants to give. There's more. Yo, 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 yo. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 13. Ephesians, from the moment we first believed, we were marked with a seal. The Holy Spirit of promise. So now the Holy Spirit is the seal of the promise. So now, woo, woo, the earnest of our, the Bible says the earnest of our inheritance. Go verse, go verse 12. Get the earnest. The earnest means the very best. Hey, hitherto you've asked me for nothing. Read the Gospels. Master, my brother is dead. Master, our friend is sick. Heals him. Master, there is nothing he did not do. You've asked me nothing. I hear too. You have asked me for nothing. I those things are no things. There are no things. You've asked me for nothing. How much? Will, so there is something we should ask. 
There is something you should ask. You know, there is, there is one thing Jesus asked of his father. And the, the, the one thing Jesus asked of his father is the spirit. The one thing Jesus asked, how much more? I will pray the father that they will send the spirit. Jesus did not even ask for deliverance. Jesus did not even ask for the cup to pass. He was just pouring out his heart. Are nevertheless, not my will, but let yours, oh God, be done. Hitherto you've asked me nothing. Until you've asked for him, you've asked for nothing. Let ask and you shall receive. You've been asking for nothing all this time. You've been asking for nothing all this time. Eh? Some of you are praying, God, give us a building. Eh? God, give us a building. You're asking him for nothing. You're asking him for nothing. What good will a building do us if our hearts are still empty? If this temple is still empty? What good is a building full of empty people? Eh? You've asked me for nothing. Isaiah 48. Verse 16. Come ye near unto me. Hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning because Jesus in Revelation 1.8 I am the beginning so God has spoken from the beginning God who has sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son he, he has not only spoken by his son but he has spoken from the beginning but the beginning is his son because the son is the oracle of God a speaking place so the father speaks from the son he not only speaks through him but he speaks from the posture of the son so in the son in fact there are some theologians who don't like Hebrews chapter 1 8 they are thrown oh God but it's up the the Christon Shelley rule in interpretation of Greek and Hebrew. I understand the Christon Shelley rule in Greek grammar because by thy throne, oh God, by your throne is God. By your throne is God, and the scepter of thy kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Why did I even touch that? Why did I even touch that? Forget it. Forget it. Why did I even touch that? The beginning and the end. So the sun, I am the Alpha, the Omega. The beginning. The beginning. The beginning. Have I not spoken in secret from the beginning? So the Father was speaking from the Son. And all things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. From the time that it was, there am I. Ook, 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 ook. And now, Bala Cindy. Bala. Bala, Bala. 
And now the Lord God, uh-huh, the Father, Galahad, and now the Lord God, the Father, Ebalahad, and now the Lord God, the Father, continue, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, hath sent me, the Son, the Son, Ebalama Judah, say, you're gonna knock them up. You're going to knock them up very strong. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord has said unto my Lord, Adonai, not even Adonai, uh-uh, I'm messing it up. I am messing it up, 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 up. The Lord, Yahweh, has said unto my Lord, Adonai, sit thou at my right hand. Until I make thine enemies your footstool. So the Lord said unto my Lord, That's why Jesuar, in who think you of Messiah? Whose son is he? But David's son. And then why then does David call him Lord? Why does David call Messiah Adonai? If Messiah is David's son, and then the one who takes stones. And stone him. And why does David call him Lord? Okutas a hundred and ten. And whose son is he? Are Abraham long to see my day? And he did. But you are not even yet fifty. And you say you were there to see Abraham. Fifty is a number of the Spirit. Get a number of Pentecost. You are not even fifty. And you claim to have seen Abraham. Hey, Baba, this holy thing is called child of the Holy Ghost. Na tough come. Na lady bula. Na tough come. The Athanasian Creed. Kalang soft, ne? Soft, soft, soft. Soft, soft, soft. The eternal power. And go to Tima Mabone, Tima Mabone, Tima Mabone, man. Tima Mabone. Tima Mabone. Let nonsense come up, Tima, Tima, Tima. Tima Mabone. Come, let's play this game. Tima Mabone. Tima Mabone. Are the lights? The eternal power and Godhead is a trinity. There's Romans 1.20, Matthew 28.19. The eternal power and Godhead is a trinity. I think you're putting too much in a portion. But if you can separate, it's fine. Well, it's a big fund. It's a big fund.
Hopala. Okay, it's fine. Is it bigger now? Is it? Okay, it's fine. <clears throat> oh! <laughs> the Bible speaks about the bed which comes to steal the seed of the word. It's still the same. May I change? Okay, it's fine. But you, you're, you're telling me you can't. Okay, it's fine. The true Christian faith is this. That we worship one God. I want you to memorize this thing. It's the, the Athanasian Creed. Yeah, it is the Saint Athanasius. I'm thinking about servants of God. General need. He solved this problem for us. In 580. He dealt with Sabellianism. He dealt with Unitarianism. He dealt with Tritheism. He dealt with Subordinationism. He dealt with Modalism. He dealt with Polytheism. He dealt with Gnosticism. He dealt with all of these things in one blow. Even those who had no Bibles understood what is it that we believe. Get the Athanasian Creed. When a person got saved, Abara welcome into my heart. They professed the Athanasian Creed. This is what we believe. Let me tell you something. Do you know that even if you do not accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, He is still the Lord of your life. Did you know that? He is still the Lord of your life. You breathe by his mercy. He lighteth every man that he is Lord over your life. When Paul was at the beach and he was with the elders of Ephesus, are henceforth you will see my face no more. And they tried to restrain him. Do you want to make me cry? Paul, or do you want to make me cry? Do you want to make me sorrowful? And then there had to come a prophet from Jerusalem, Barge Agabus. At that time, they're in the house of Philip, the evangelist, who had four daughters who prophesied. But no, 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 no. God had to take a prophet from Jerusalem, Barge Agabus. Though there are prophets in house, sometimes we need an external witness. Look at Agabus. And Agabus, are this one to whom the belt belongs will not come back from Jerusalem. Paul, are you want to break my heart? But in that story, Paul, are take care of the flock of God. The flock of God that he purchased with his own blood. Paul just broke theology. Are God purchased the church with his own blood. And it was God's blood which was spilling. The true Christian faith is this. That we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. 
neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. Not dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father. There are not three fathers. Another. You see, now you are waking. Another of the Son. Another of the Son. And another of the Holy Ghost. So there are three persons. Are, are. Don't wait for me to say it. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, is all one. So there are not three Godheads, but there is one Godhead. It's all one. The glory equal. The glory equal. The majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father incomprehensible. We cannot comprehend this thing. That's why Romans 1.19 is that which may be known of God is manifest. The Father incomprehensible. The Son incomprehensible. The Holy Ghost incomprehensible. The Father eternal. The Son eternal. The Holy Ghost eternal. And yet there are not three eternals. Can you say mistake you say externals? Yeah, there are not three eternals or infinities, not three uncreated, not three incomprehensible, but one incomprehensible. So there is only one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is Almighty, the Son is Almighty, the Holy Ghost Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty or in omnipotent because omnipotent means almighty so the father is god the son is god the holy ghost is god yet there are not three gods but one god for like as we are compelled by the christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be god or lord so we are forbidden by the christian faith to say that there are three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is made of the Father. Oh, no, 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 I'm even ahead of myself. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created but begotten. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. I'm telling you how to do those examples you like making. With this limitation, the son, the father, is made of none, neither created or begotten. The son is of the father alone. Of the father, he is of the father, not made, not created, but begotten. No, not made, not created but begotten. The Holy Ghost is of the Father and the Son. Neither made, nor created, nor begotten, but proceeding. So we see the Son is begotten, not of the Holy Ghost, but of the Father. We see 
The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son. The Holy Ghost is not made. The Holy Ghost is not created. The Holy Ghost is not begotten. The way they relate is that he proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's why I will pray the Father and he will send. That's why I will send the Holy Ghost. But he is not made. He is not created. He is not begotten. But he proceeds. Ari. So there is one father, not three fathers. And there is one son, not three sons. And there is one Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And in this trinity, none is afore or after another. None is first and last. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal and so that in all things, as aforesaid, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. Can we give Jesus praise? Before I spoke away, you were singing.